All right, guys, welcome in today's episode of the Locked On SEC Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Blake Lovell, and on today's episode of the podcast, uh, part one of my conversation with Locked On Ole Miss host Painter Sharpless on SEC football. Uh, we actually planned on just doing uh, one episode, but uh, we wound up uh, discussing SEC football for about 40 minutes or so. So I'm going to break this into uh, two shorter episodes. So you'll get part one uh, on Thursday and part two on Friday's episode of the podcast. A uh, really fun discussion, and you know, I shared uh, the conversation I had with Painter on his podcast, Locked on Ole Miss, uh, last week or the week before. And uh, we sort of just touched on mostly uh, Mississippi-based stuff, talking about Lane Kiffin's first season um, at Ole Miss, uh, Mike Leach's first season at Mississippi State, and we did hit on some other random stuff around the SEC, uh, but we wanted to dive a little bit more into the entire conference, and so uh, we did that uh, by looking at a lot of different uh, intriguing aspects uh, in the conference, and on this particular episode, uh, and in part one, uh, we discussed uh, several different things, looking at LSU's uh, encore after winning a national championship, uh, knowing that they are going to have to replace uh, some of the key parts uh, of that national championship team, and how do they go about doing that, and where do we see LSU uh, fitting into the mix, uh, not just in the SEC, but also on the national level. We also touched on, as we did in our previous conversation Texas A&M, they are one of the most uh, probably interesting teams for a lot of people uh, because they are getting a lot of hype uh, in terms of a team that most feel have a really good chance to be a surefire top 10 team in the country. And uh, can they challenge uh, a team like Alabama at the top of the SEC West and potentially win an SEC championship? Uh, We went into that a bit, uh, discussed uh, how Texas A&M's roster uh, gives them the opportunity uh, to do that, but uh, do they have everything that they need to meet those expectations and uh, potentially win an SEC championship? Uh, We discussed that. Uh, Also, our picks uh, for most intriguing player uh, in the SEC, uh, which you could go a lot of different directions with, and uh, we gave our choices for that, and uh, to go ahead and give you a spoiler, they were both quarterbacks uh, because I think there are going to be uh, two quarterbacks that a lot of people are going to be focused on as they could be uh, the key for their team uh, potentially getting to the college football playoff and having a chance uh, to win an SEC title. So a really fun conversation with Painter. And as we said, uh, there's a lot that we got into, uh, but this is uh, part one and uh, we'll have uh, some really other exciting stuff uh, in part two of the conversation on Friday. But let's go ahead and jump into uh, the conversation with uh, Locked on Ole Miss host Painter Sharpless. All right, guys, by popular demand, uh, we are bringing back uh, Locked on Ole Miss host Painter Sharpless, who uh, we had a discussion, and I'll tell you, Painter, we had a discussion on this podcast, on both of ours, so we we simulcast it, I guess. I have Mm -hmm. no idea when that was, because I don't even know what day it is (laughs) at this point. Um, I think we had that discussion last week on SEC football, but quite frankly, it could have been weeks ago, and, and I couldn't tell you the difference. First, you were too gracious, and thanks for having me on. And yeah, I think it was early, like Monday, Tuesday last week, but 10 days ago does feel closer to a few years ago. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I don't even, again, I, I don't even know when we're recording this. There was uh, something during this stretch. There was one day where, like, I felt like I was off by a day, but it wound up I was off by like three or four days. I didn't even know what day it was. And so, uh, yeah, but uh, that's all right. We'll get more into that uh, on our next episode of the podcast. But for now, 
We're going to stick to SEC football. Uh, we did have that discussion on the podcast. Uh, we ran through just some random stuff uh, when I was on uh, Locked on Ole Miss, and mm-hmm. we talked about a lot of different SEC stuff. We're going to do that again here. Um, to start off with here, we're going to get into the fun stuff later. I'm going to put you on the spot and make you you make some picks uh, for most <laughs> most exciting player, most disappointing team, surprising team. We're going to have some fun with those. But let's start with some of the biggest storylines. We, we sort mm-hmm. of touched on this when we talked last time, but let, let's dive into them a little bit more. I think you have to start at the top uh, in terms of if we look ahead and we assume right now, which is all we have to go on, that the season's going to go forward as planned, although I think we know that there are probably going to be some potential tweaks in there somewhere. Um, I think you have to start at the top with LSU, who is the defending national champions, and knowing that they are going to lose a player that's going to be drafted number one in the NFL draft and Joe Burrow. Um, you know, they've got some other things they have to replace. Um, you know, Brady's not there as the offensive wizard. Uh, there are lots of differences probably on this LSU team, and I find them probably to be the most fascinating one near the top just because, again, they are the reigning national champions, uh, but yet they have some very important pieces to replace. I think this is going to be an almost typical year of what we got used to with LSU at the end of the Les Miles era. And I guess at the beginning of Ed Orgeron where it's like they just can't get over the hump with Alabama. I think my big question, and I know I'm not alone in this, Blake, is will LSU be able to consistently keep up with Alabama? They're doing it in the way they recruit. In fact, all those years, you know, really over the last decade with the exception of last year, they were recruiting at a level about that of Alabama. Certainly when you look at the draft, they were putting tons of players in the first round. So talent has never been the problem, and it won't be again this year. But when you look at some of the reloading they are doing, I am I really can see this being an LSU team that's super talented and still loses three games, one of which goes to Alabama. Coming up, uh, more thoughts on LSU and Texas A&M, uh, two teams that uh, maybe a lot of people think uh, could have the best chance to challenge Alabama in the SEC West, or could it be Auburn? Uh, we go into uh, a little bit more on LSU and look at the Aggies coming up here on the Locked On SEC Podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network. Yeah, I'm I'm very curious because, you know, we look ahead and you look at all the preseason rankings, and I always say, and I know everyone has a different opinion about preseason rankings, but they are what they are. I mean, they're, they're something to, to, you know, keep us entertained until games are played, right? And so they actually don't mean a ton. They, they probably mean more, I guess, in football than maybe basketball uh, in some sense, but because you're playing less games and there's less movement, um, you know, throughout the season. But, you know, LSU, you look at ESPN's FPI, everyone looks at that going into the season. I think they had LSU at 12. Um, that was behind SEC-wise. That was behind Alabama, A&M, uh, Georgia, and Florida. And, um, I mean, again, I don't. I think you saw a lot of people said, man, that, that feels a little high because of knowing, you know, like you're saying, that they could potentially drop back. Um, you know, and again, if even if you drop back, I guess it has to be considered a dramatic drop just because you were the national champions. Um, but I'm, I'm very curious, man. I'm curious where they're going to land because as we look, I mean, you could see three, maybe four. I don't know. I don't think you could see four teams being better than them just in the West. But I mean, you can make the case that Alabama, A&M and Auburn could all be better than LSU this year. Yeah, I'm not sold on A&M. Like, them in Tennessee, I think, are going to get a lot of hype this offseason, and I get it. I think Tennessee is in a similar position, albeit probably not getting anointed as much as what what position 
Texas A&M was in going into the offseason as the dark horse, if you will. I'm just not ready to buy. And we talked a little bit about this, I guess, 10 days ago or so when I sort of was critical of Kellen Mond. I think he really limits the ceiling for what is going to be a talented roster now that Jimbo Fisher has had a few recruiting cycles. But getting back to LSU, I can see them dropping games against Alabama and Auburn. Now, Auburn could be an interesting point for a few reasons because – it's in Auburn. It's in Jordan Hare Stadium. But yeah. like, are you really counting on Auburn to be consistent? And it's at a weird time of the year. You know, normally that's when they're playing Georgia. I don't know if that necessarily matters. But they will have the Iron Bowl looming. Um, I see two losses at minimum on the schedule for LSU, and you can't forget about LSU hosting Texas. I'm not worried about them losing that game, but it should be entertaining. And they've got to go to the swamp. So like. Those are all tough games. I didn't really give Texas A&M consideration, but like it's it's definitely possible they could beat LSU. I, I mean, I, this is going to be a tough year for the national champs, even if a tough year is only two or three losses. You're coming off of what was perhaps statistically the most impressive off, uh, offensive season ever. Well, I'm glad you brought up that because I was going to transition A&M, but let's go ahead and just get the negatives out of the way first here. We feel like we're knocking the two teams we're starting off with here, but we, yeah, we're yeah. testing them. We're not knocking them, right? We're, we're putting them to the test. Um, <laughs> I think with A&M, you look at their schedule, that's what I find intriguing because, again, I, I think what's going to be fascinating here is if we if all of these non-conference games are played and, you know, again, not knowing how the schedule could be shifted around – if you look at A&M's, just their SEC schedule, they open up with Arkansas. That's going to be the fourth game of the season. Um, you would expect them to win that game, of course. Then I think it gets a lot more interesting because their next three SEC games are all on the road. They're at Mississippi State, they're at Auburn, and they're at South Carolina. You would expect them to be the favorite in the games at Mississippi State and South Carolina, maybe not at the one at Auburn. But, I mean, that's that's challenging. And then when you look at the back half of their schedule – Yes, they get Ole Miss and Vanderbilt at home, but then you've got you know to go to Alabama and you get LSU at home. So A and M schedule just a product of being in the West. Um, I, I think there are a lot of potential pitfalls in there for a team like we said that is getting a ton of hype going into the season. And look, A and M in terms of talent is on LSU's heels with the way Fisher has recruited since he's gotten there. But I'm still not buying what it is they're selling, and so Kellen Mond isn't the quarterback, and I'll happily eat crow like (laughs) i think they're a top 10 team that's the predicament they're a top 10 team that i think will probably finish the year with four losses well we're gonna we're gonna hold which doesn't add up right yes we're we're gonna hold that and that's fine Um, that's okay like i i mean i i realize (laughs) if there are some a&m fans listening right now they're like all right dude well, that's okay. We have the audio. That's why we podcast. We save this stuff. Okay. Um, so we're going to revisit this at the end of the season and see oh, uh, if we were we were correct. If we're if we were correct on our April predictions for the uh, the, <laughs> the 2020 college football season without knowing uh, exactly what it's going to look like. But um, quickly, am I slandering Mon too much? I'm sorry to cut no, you off. No, you're not. Am I slandering him? Uh, no, and we're going to get into him actually in our next segment. I, I was already going to talk about him because he's going to be my pick for one of these uh, okay. things we're going to pick because I, I think that he's very fascinating, and we'll talk about him uh, when, when we get into that. Quickly before we do, the Mac Jones there at Alabama. Um, you know, obviously, all we've talked about is Tua the past several seasons at Alabama. <laughs> he's 
I mean, look, he's been the guy that, that everyone, not just college football fans, the NFL, everyone's eye has been on, uh, you know, Alabama because of Tua. And, and we're not saying that to knock Alabama. I mean, obviously, beyond Tua, this is a team that has won many national championships. They're a team that are producing tons of NFL players. You'll see a lot of Alabama players off the board, probably in the top 20 or top 25 in the NFL draft, as usual. Um, but... You know, the quarterback position is the one we focus on. It's the one that gets all the attention. And now, you know, you're putting Mac Jones in the spot, um, you know, and what could be behind him. Does he, you know, how does that play out at quarterback for Alabama? I think that's a very fascinating storyline as well. Man, I am all on Mac Jones as the guy that will start. And that was the case before all this pandemic stuff happened. I think it has made it harder for Bryce Young or really we talked about this last week too, like if you're a first-year coach, if you're a freshman, especially at that position, and you're telling me he's going to come in and win the job, I don't know. Like maybe he might be that good because the last time Alabama had a freshman five-star quarterback that we were all talking about at the end of the year, he was winning a national title. Just, uh, man, I really like what Mac Jones did in that Iron Bowl. They throttled Michigan in the bowl game, which wasn't surprising. Like what a predictable scenario for Harbaugh in a bowl game, but look, their, their talent is insane. And this, although they're now running an offense that is much more modern, I I think it will be, it will harken back a bit to the earlier days of Saban at Alabama, where the quarterback doesn't need to be a superstar. Just get the ball in the hands of all your players that are going to be in the NFL. Yeah. I think it's going to be interesting because like you said, I mean, you you know, and and it goes back to what you just mentioned, uh, talking about, you know, the lack of, spring practice and all that and, and how that impacts some of these guys that are coming in trying to win jobs. And I think it's uh, that's one that we'll definitely have our eye on. All right, Painter, we are going to look at uh, some picks here. And, and again, these are just for fun. So everyone out there that's uh, <laughs> going to get mad at us on social media, just remember we're all in the same spot right now. We're all just trying to to find the positives and look ahead uh, in hopes that there is going to be a normal college football season this year. Um, all right, Painter, we're going to start, and, and we tease Kellen Mond because uh, he's actually mm-hmm. going to be my choice for this. For this first one is your pick for most intriguing player, and that's why I'm going to pick Kellen Mond because we just talked about it. I think he's the most intriguing because if he can be that guy, I think Texas A&M you know, will be a team that can live up to the hype and potentially even the, the scheduling that I mentioned that can still potentially be right there when we talk about a top 10 team um, potentially competing, you know, for the SEC West crown and all that. That's why I think I would put him as my most intriguing player because I think he's the one um, that, that I'll probably be most fascinated with just in terms of his, his impact on his team's success. If Kellen Mond has a good season, he's going to make me look really bad <laughs> this year because I have been all aboard Texas A&M falling back into fourth place in the SEC West. And if he grows under Jimbo Fisher, and look, Fisher has done well at that position, especially when he's had good talent. And I don't know what you think about Mond personally if you're listening, but like he was a, a highly rated quarterback coming out, and yep. people were excited about him joining Texas A&M's team. So maybe I'll be wrong about it this year. It, I think that's a fantastic pick, Blake, because if – if he improves, if he surprises me among probably some others, then they're going to be a team that's in line with Alabama, LSU, and Auburn. And for the first time in a while, it does sort of feel like the SEC West is up for grabs. I know everyone's assuming Alabama to be the favorite because why not? They've got the most talented team most years. 
And at this point, when you're averaging a national title win about every other season, that's a fair thing to earn the benefit of the doubt of. But all of these schools, with the exception of, what, Auburn and A&M in the West, are going over some pretty big turnover, whether it's at the quarterback spot with an entire coaching staff. So there is some wiggle room, I think, and we are dealing with some unknowns, not just in that the rosters and the coaching staffs and the quarterback spots for teams in the West are different, but also that all this practice has put us in a weird spot or lack of practice has put us in a weird spot. So I, I think it is a fantastic pick for an intriguing player because it also does feel like the pressure is ramping up in College Station for Jimbo Fisher a bit. Coming up, uh, Painter's pick uh, for his most intriguing player and uh, the discussion on Florida-Georgia in the SEC East. Uh, Which team are we leaning towards uh, heading into next season? And I'll give you a a hint. Uh, We are actually on a different page when it comes to uh, our way-too-early pick uh, for the SEC East winner, and we'll get into that coming up here on the Locked On SEC Podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network. All right, I'm putting you on the spot. Your most intriguing player, or you can pick a couple. I think there's other ones that I, I may have went with. I think Jamie Newman was on my list just because of Georgia's overhaul on offense. I think that's obviously a, a situation everyone's going to have an eye on. Uh, but uh, if you had to pick one right now, who would it be? It's Mac Jones, man. I, I'm uh, really enamored with what he did in the Iron Bowl. Uh, were it not for he made a really bad play in the first half where he just overthrew his receiver and it was taken for a pick six. The second pick six in that game was fluky and there was a defender in his face when he threw the ball. So I'll, I'll let him go for the second pick six, but outside of those two plays, he was pretty phenomenal. Just letting his playmakers do the job for him. And if he does that again, it's what I just said a moment ago, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. What do you think about the Kyle Trask? talk that's starting to come out of Gainesville that's another thing that's interesting and intriguing to me Blake because a lot of people are starting to put Florida and Dan Mullen who has in the last two seasons overachieved in Gainesville on top of Georgia finally getting back to Atlanta as the SEC East representative is Kyle Trask intriguing to you at all with a full offseason albeit an offseason that's been marred by all this yeah no I think so I mean I think that's why you just said it that's why people are putting Florida ahead of Georgia right now because when you look at the two offenses you look at what you know Georgia's going to have to do and as we're saying it's not just they have to replace you know 10 starters on offense that's they have to replace 10 starters on offense with a shortened preseason and you know not even knowing exactly how long they're going to have to prepare for the new season and, and that's where it goes back to you know what can we really say about teams that, that are using these virtual uh, methods, you know, in terms of, of looking at that and saying, well, how much are they getting out of it? Uh, but you still feel like Florida and Kyle Trask, especially, are, are, you know, two people that are going to be ahead of these other teams that are having to replace everything. And so uh, I think, you know, it's intriguing just because I, as of right now, I mean, I probably would pick Florida over Georgia in the East. And see, I'm not there yet. Like Georgia is, I think, the fourth most talented team in the country. You could quarrel with that. But because of their, I mean, you mentioned it, man, they are really having to reload on the offensive side of the ball. Plus, they're trying to move into the 2020s, shall we say, with that offense instead of doing things that looked like 2008 Alabama. But even though they're looking at a new quarterback, I think Alabama is still, like, I'm just going to assume they're the best team and the most talented team in the country And then it's Ohio State and Clemson. You can put them in whatever order, but one, two, and three to me, most talented teams with the most returning. And then right there is Georgia. Georgia has probably more question marks 
than Florida, but I'm leaning on their talent and I'm not ready to, I, I also think Dan Mullen has overachieved in these first two years. And until they can get a little bit closer to what it is in terms of talent, Kirby smarts doing in Athens, I, I have a hard time seeing them winning the division, at least this season. Well, and Georgia's defense, too. I mean, let's not act like oh that their, their defense isn't very – I mean, come on. They're, they're, they're going to be good enough defensively to win games. You know, they may win a game 10-7 to 7 just because they're so good on – you know, even if their offense right. struggles. Um, I think their defense is going to be so good that, hey, they're, they're still going to have a chance to win right. games. So, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. And I think we'll we'll revisit that in terms of looking at their two their schedules specifically because uh, that could be, you know, what it comes down to in, in determining the winner. Like, I don't mean to cut – I'm sorry to, to cut you off. I was just curious to know outside of quarterback, what, what are you thinking in terms of most intriguing players? Because I think we named a bunch of quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah, I know. And that's what I keep going back to is the quarterbacks and thinking about, man, what are <sighs> – no, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm trying to think of what's going to be the most interesting, uh, you know, because this is what, I mean, look, as a part of all this, as we know, it's affected sports, but it's like, this is when we'd be talking about these position battles and, and these different guys, you know, battling for some of these spots uh, on different teams. And, and I think that's what, you know, this is this is that time we're usually talking about that. We're usually making the case why player A is better than player B, um, you know, in some of these, these spring performances and all that. So I don't know. That's a good one. What are you thinking on uh, on that? George Pickens, dude, if he oh, yeah. can get it together, I don't think there's anybody in the country that can stop that guy. He's yeah. just a monster. And it sometimes seems there's there has been some off the field stuff. There was the fight against Georgia Tech, but. Even in that SEC championship second half when it was all over, you know, LSU had run away with that game by then. He was really the only redeeming factor for them. Could be the most one of the most exciting players for sure, I think, when you look at his talent. Um, there's no doubt. And like we said, it's, you know, the upside's there. I mean, we've seen what he's capable of. And, and, and I mean, we talk about important players to their team. Uh, Georgia, you know, revamping an offense, uh, he's – He's got to be important because, um, you know, they, they need him and, and they need a lot on that offense, as we said. And that was part one of the conversation with Locked on Ole Miss host Painter Sharpless. And uh, as I said, just decided to break this into a couple episodes. Uh, so this is part one. You will get part two of our conversation on SEC football on Friday's episode of the podcast. And to do that, uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and the Locked on Ole Miss podcast uh, on any podcast app you use. And, if you again, if you enjoyed the show, leave a nice five-star rating review. That just helps the show reach more people. For everything else, uh, you can find me on Twitter at TheBlakeLevel. And uh, while we are focused on football in these couple episodes, if you're excited for the NBA draft and want to keep tabs on your favorite player and where he could land, just tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Chad Ford's NBA Big Board for great NBA draft coverage. But thanks as always for listening, and I'll talk to you guys next time here on the Locked On SEC Podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network.